Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we look at the Bank of England's decision to pause its interest rate rises and if the old adage, sell in May, is still bearing fruit. With Miles Sherry, Wealth Manager, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. Welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. So look, it's been a heavy week, and I'm not talking about the rainfall. I got absolutely... All my lunch, which was quite... I, had I a- saw you just had lunch. It was a good-looking sandwich, that. Was Very good-looking good sandwich. Time. You're Enormous. not going to scurry away early. No, um, no. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, my suit this morning was still sobbing wet. But, uh, but there you go. But no, the heavy week has more been down to central bank activity, inflation print. So let's just crack on. Straight into it before we go off on one of our usual tangents, yes, which we yeah, nearly did idea. just there, to yes, be fair, yes. and predictably start there. So fresh off the press, we just have the Bank of England. Yes. They have hit the pause button, yes. and that follows the after fourteen consecutive fourteen consecutive things. Yes. So we'll come on to whether the Not tides might be turning. Yes. And then we had the Federal Reserve, didn't we, last night in Correct. the US, and that comes with the usual jibber jabber around mm. commentary in the accompanying statements, yes. which the market goes through with a fine tooth comb. Yes. So, what's your read on everything? You've had a bit of time to digest it, maybe twenty minutes or so. Yeah, not enough. Is it a further sign when you're at the peak, or uh, yeah, well, I, we need a bit, a bit more time to say we're out of the woods? Good question, Mars, and, and I think it's a little bit. You know, this last few sort of months, quarters and so on has been a little bit like one of those walks up a mountain, a hillside like Snowden, mountain like Snowden with the kids in tow and you're in the fog and it's cold, you're hungry and the kids need the loo. Are we nearly oh, we there? there yeah. Are yeah. we nearly and there yet? And every time you think you spy the peak, it's an illusion and there's another one ahead and you get up there and it's smothered in smug, well-equipped hikers who enjoyed the process uh, and are rubbing it in your face. So... The low, short answer to your question is it's starting to look a little bit more like this is the peak. The central bankers are asking us not to rule it out, that there may be more. And the US in particular, US central bankers last night really surprised markets a little bit by saying, by really trying to show by something called the dot plot, which is kind of... Their predictions yeah, looking their ahead. Predictions and they do change, right? They do, they do. They, they, change, they change a bit. But they're trying to persuade markets that interest rates are going to be at this level for really some time. So kind of Table Mountain rather than Snowdonia, or say, let's stretch this analogy further. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, to a certain extent, I'm never quite sure about how much time we want dear listeners paying attention to all of the kind of the dot plots, the forward guidance, all this kind of stuff, because it changes, like you say. And so much is unknown about the inflation outlook that we want to be a a little bit cautious there. But it does feel like inflation has peaked and is moving in the right direction on a number of indicators. It's still quite high in the UK and other places, but on a number of indicators, it's moving in the right direction. And that could suggest that central bankers have a chance to start, well, maybe not raising interest rates any further and eventually hopefully cutting them back a little bit, I guess. So maybe some rays of sunshine over that mountain peak. God, that Sorry, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't I like help it. myself. Yeah, couldn't very nice. Myself. And it was a nicely equivocal answer. So. But it is still a bit muddy. It is still a bit muddy. I'll stop now. I'll stop now. Um, so look, it looks like we're in a high interest rate regime probably for maybe even longer than some originally mm. anticipated. And who knows when rates will ultimately fall. As and when they do fall, we also don't know what the pace will be doing it. No. The... Initial signs seem to be that it might be relatively slow. And this actually led to a listener asking a very valid question just the other day that kind of got me thinking. Because if you look at central bank targets, at least most of the kind of key developed central banks, 
they they look at what two percent per year over a kind of long-term average and let's be frank we are nowhere near that so is there any validity in the suggestion that maybe some of these central bankers might start to say is it worth readjusting some of these targets it sounds like a very fair and simple point but it's probably not that simple is it it never is i'm going to make it boring and technical to whatever degree i can to kind of hide the answer but i mean no i think it's interesting the thing for me is it's interesting how sort of how recent in historical terms and accidental the intro- introduction of kind of inflation targeting is or the two percent target i think it was a press conference with the new zealand finance minister uh, someone may be able to correct me on that and it was basically an off-the-cuff remark basically that quite quickly became policy in much of the developed world i think the point here is that inflation and we've you and i have discussed this before it's, yeah. it's to a degree a psychological phenomenon so what we believe about inflation is in you know self-fulfilling to a certain extent because ultimately and again it's very simplistic but ultimately what we believe about inflation encourages us to go and hammer on the boss's door and say give me more money i'm losing in real terms that kind of thing and the effect i mean more broadly and less simply than that the effects on our behavior our various interactions with the economy are subtle but pervasive and that can you know that so it's important to keep that in mind so the theory goes that the central banks are really battling our expectations they're trying to convince us at all times that prices are going to be growing predictably in aggregate so that we can worry about other stuff particularly as business owners consumers and all those kind of other things now with that in mind it shouldn't really matter what the level is to your point it could be two four six eight two and a half, you know, 3.75, whatever you want to call it. As long as the market has clarity on where we're going. Yeah, to a certain extent. Now, those in favour of arguing, those arguing of high, for higher targets will point out that it gives central bankers more room to be stimulative when the economy is undershooting that target, so to speak. And we saw that for much of the last economic cycle. And there's possibly something in that. But I think the problem is best described as one of transition. Like, how do you get there? and retain credibility because if you assume this is all about the credibility of central banks as the keepers of stable inflation and you know that that credibility has been so hard won over the decades then you would worry that moving the target around comes with significant risks of kind of what's called de-anchoring this is all theory i mean it could all be you could debate it for hours you could debate it for hours and it could all be rubbish but this is the kind of you know that's the kind of idea so i i personally don't think inflation targets going to move anytime soon but there is a plausible, as the listener pointed out, actually, in uh, on LinkedIn, you know, there's a plausible case to say that, you know, sometime in the future. But my, my hunch, and it can be no more than that, is that, and a lot of people are saying this, that in the context of where we are right now, relative to the last economic cycle, it feels like inflation is going to be a bit more of a sort of clear and present danger in this cycle. Maybe that's just extrapolating from the current moment, but fiscal deficits, all sorts of other factors would sort of would point maybe in that direction. Mm. So just be prepared for that, I guess. And that that would make it less easy for central banks to think about these kind of things, and less necessary to a degree, because they'll be fighting inflation on the other side of the 2% target yeah, rather yeah. than trying to get it up there desperately, if you see what I mean. So a good and thought-provoking question. And if you do have any more, then yes. keep them coming in. But going back to the data points, I guess, if you like, and, and that interest rate decision, yeah. decisions that we saw, we have seen various asset classes. We were just talking about sterling, but we've seen you know, bond yields. We've seen equity markets, stock markets jump around. What's your take on it? Should we pay any attention yeah. to it? I know it's very short term. No, it's messy. It's a messy week so far. And I think today's another messy day. You're seeing sterling puke a bit on that news as people are sort of now sort of changing their, within the price, they're changing their expectation of what interest rates are to come or not come. 
And stock markets have been struggling a little bit with this idea that you're seeing in bond yield curves, you know, the future costs of uh, or the cost at various maturities for you know various governments to borrow. That's been going up this week in amongst the central bank news and also a kind of wider sort of story that I've just, you know, been mentioned about people worrying a little bit about fiscal deficits, looking at, you know, this time is different. Maybe even some people sort of starting to think a little bit about sort of a different productivity paradigm, and that might mean higher what's called real interest rates. So there's a lot going on. And I think in that context, to your exact point, I wouldn't get too het up with what's going on in markets at the moment it's not speaking you know with one mind anyway with one voice yeah, you know yeah. all these very very various markets aren't kind of marrying up perfectly but yes i think like us all markets are a bit a bit confused at the moment and i think you know the the more minute to minute you look and the less you extend your time frame the more that's going to be disorienting as you always point out you know it's kind of noisy isn't it so yes and what you're getting now right is you're getting various market commentators talking about the fact well you know if we are near the peak what does that mean for the future? Is that traditionally a good period for bondholders, stockholders? Can we extrapolate anything from history? I know you love your history, but it's not, again, quite that simple as that you have to take it in the context of where we are. I agree. And, you know, I'm boring about this and others will disagree. You know, there are sort of, you know, there are rhymes within sort of post-war history about interest rate rising cycles. The problem you always have on this stuff is there's just not enough of them to really be Sure, it's the same as we always talk about with, you know, with regards of if you see an incident, if you see something happen five times, how much does that let you infer about what comes next? You see it in sport all the time. That's a good yes. example. Yes, yeah, yeah. Arsenal lost away to Everton for the last five years, so they're going to lose again. But yes, they did. But they didn't. Happy me. Yes, well, not happy everyone, but happy Miles, which is good. So yes, no, that's exactly right. And I think that's a good, that's a good example. So... I would say this time could be different. And there are a number of things. I mean, one of the things that I think is quite interesting is that you've got this, you know, if you think about what's supposed to be the effect on the economy of rising central bank policy rates, the aim is you're trying to slow the economy to bring inflation back to cool these kind of pressures a bit. Now, the way you're cooling it in theory terms is basically by making saving more interesting than spending. And so consumers start to think, oh, look at those interest rates. I think I'm going to save a bit more, therefore spend a bit less. And that should ultimately cool the economy Mm. a little bit and result in a bit more. You know, there's all sorts of other things that come with it, like higher unemployment. So you can have these kind of compounding effects. But right now, there's not much view of that in the US economy, particularly and actually elsewhere. And what you've got sort of counter, maybe counteracting that force a little bit is that you've still got quite robust labor markets, so quite a lot, you know, quite a lot of demand for workers. And therefore, wages are still quite perky in sort of nominal terms, non-inflation adjusted terms. And what you've got is this kind of downtrend in inflation, which is starting to mean that your real wages, i.e. what you really get after inflation, it's starting to perk into positive territory. Mm. So actually, you could find that the consumer is in slightly better shape than people feel. I think I saw private sector wage growth. Was it that's still around 8%? Yeah, it's, 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 it's heading along at some, some rate. Now, the central bank is trying to cool that, but they're not managing it to materially yeah. so far. I mean, there are some signs that it's softening in some areas, but still you're going to find real wages across UK, Europe, and the US are going to be heading into positive territory at the moment. Now, that might just be quite a good handoff from that, you know, the, the big arsenal of excess savings we always talk about that was left over from the pandemic. pandemic yeah. You can have a handoff. Now, I, I'm just trying to sort of paint another scenario in a sense. So just 
keep an open mind about what comes and what should be this time. Yes. And I'm going to continue that theme. I'm sorry. Yes, I ask no, you no, this do. every single year, but last weekend was St. Ledger's Day. Now, there's probably some people thinking, what on earth does that mean and why on earth do I care? So St. Ledger's Day is traditionally, in the horse racing calendar at least, deemed to be effectively the end of the summer. It's the last kind of main event of the flat racing season. And there's the old adage that, as I said, I raise every year, sell in May, go away, and don't come back until St. Ledger's Day. So the idea here, right, is that stock market returns on average, not always, tend to be better outside of the summer period. So you get this summer lull, people come back and it's a great time hypothetically to buy back into the market. Now, if you look at most equity indices, stock market indices, I should say, it's generally been fairly positive actually over the summer. So you know where I'm going with this. The next question is, can that be sustained? And I can't believe I'm saying this in September. Christmas is drawing near. My daughter tells it it's under 100 days. She's got a little thing the on, list her, is coming on her out. phone that does a countdown to Christmas. I was like, God, honestly. I still get as excited about yes, it. Yes, oh, no, I love it. I love it. I love Absolutely. it. Yeah, no, me too. Me too. I'm all over it. But that brings the next question is, if markets can sustain that gradual upward trend, is the Santa rally going to come to town? <laughs> All the seasonal treats. Good luck. Good luck seasonal answering that Seasonal treats. Well, the first thing is on the sell in May, on all of this kind of these seasonal patterns, you know, the, the concern you always have with this stuff is like... Because there is statistical significance over a very long term, but it obviously varies each year. Right? Yes, yes. And, but but wait, because I think we're in an era where sort of, you know, you've just got this abundance of data and we are inveterate pattern spotters, as you know. Like, I mean, who really thinks that that constellation of stars looks like a plough? <laughs> Come on, you know, so I think we are in danger in these areas. The more data we have, you can start spotting these patterns and start saying. And in amongst that, the house philosophy on markets is about efficient markets. It's the idea that markets are very quickly and accurately incorporate most, not all, information about what's available right now, everything you talk about in the pubs, the cafes, and and you see in the newspapers and the media, But as well as that, a quite well-balanced kind of idea about the range of probable outcomes in the future. And all of that is incorporated quite accurately into prices. Now, what that means is that the threshold you've got to jump over in order to beat markets, know that bit of information the market doesn't have is high. So that's why we believe, you know, that it's worth full-time professionals doing focused specialist jobs rather than... And only tweaking around the edges. And only tweaking around the edges to a degree, exactly. Now, the weird thing is that this sell and may effect is real to a certain extent. I mean, you can see it in the numbers. I mean, it, it happens. It's And it's kind of an anomaly. It sort of butts against that efficient markets idea because how can markets be efficient if you've got this kind of idea, well, I'll just go away in the summer yeah. and I'll get... Now, the counterpoint I would make is that the returns are still positive, summer and winter. Do you know what I mean? Or summer versus the rest of the year. So actually trading in and trading out has not been a successful strategy strategy overall it's something that we're sort of kind of looking to explain now if you think about this year the setup into this year was probably quite attractive for certain areas of the stock market given what happened last year and some of the kind of worries about a recession that so far haven't materialized for a range of reasons as we look into the end of the year i think most people and maybe this is just muscle memory are sort of thinking are worrying a little bit about how stocks look there's some parts that look a little bit expensive relative to plausible underlying reality and if you look at the economy and we mentioned this the other day although 
those real wages are perking up and positive. And that is incredibly important because the consumers and all of these economies are really dominant forces. One thing that's quite interesting in the US, for instance, is you've got the restart just coming up in October of the student loan repayments, which will act as a speed bump a bit. And you'll see some of that data reflect that. And maybe people will start to think it's here, you know, the, the, the effect from interest rates and that might knock on into stock markets and so on. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out, never rule it out. But I, I don't I don't the setup for stocks into the end of the year is probably less attractive than it was at the beginning of the yeah, year where yeah. people were really worried about recession. And that's now more or less kind of priced out. Been, yeah. You know, that's people are now no longer maybe worried enough about a recession, to be honest. So you've sort of gone a little bit the other way. But again, the point here, as always, which I'm sure you would have made if I didn't make There's it. no surprises there. No, <laughs> there's never any surprises between you and me. But no, it, it's about focus on that longer term, because actually what you shouldn't be worrying about is the world as it stands right now. All of that is roughly incorporated into prices. What you need to be worried about is what's the world going to look like in 10, 20, 30 years when you get around to selling, hopefully this batch of multi-asset class global investments. Now, the point that we're constantly making here is that over periods of one to two years, that's pretty unpredictable. But actually, over long periods of time, the kind of progress of humankind, our incredible kind of resourcefulness and problem-solving capacity, that's worth bet betting on a longer time frame. Technology is part of it, and that shows up in your exit price for your diversified portfolio. So just stick in there, ignore all these kind of various statistical effects. Keep your head down. Keep your head down and focus on the TV, the World Cup, if you like rugby. I'm sure many, many do. Got it. Okay, that all makes a lot of sense. And then before I let you go, I know we touched on emerging markets the past few weeks and, you know, Rob, Sean have, have said their piece on it very well too, but it is continuing to come up in client conversations given the market chatter. Mm -hmm. And again, it's an interesting one where across the street, you look at different market commentators, it shows the divergence. Some saying rightly or wrongly it's a buying opportunity particularly areas like china others are saying the complete flip opposite yes diversification is key of course but no this is this is this is so important miles because i think it is found you know it, it's absolutely kind of core to our house philosophy which is that humility about what comes and not allowing the news flow of the moment to have too large a role in how you allocate your long-term assets and exposures. And just remember, yes, you know, right now people are very down on China, for instance. And part of that is real, I think. You know, there are real genuine problems within China in terms of the property market and its kind of slow motion implosion. Yeah. And policymakers there have got some real difficulties. But remember, don't underestimate that just as we talked about the other day, you know, when you go back to mid 19th century and you've got a British person who's saying like, no, look at that economy over there. They'll never beat us. You know, they've got a rubbish education system. They can't innovate themselves. They're just copying our intellectual property and they're just mass producing. They've got a, you know, sclerotic political system, crony capitalism, all of that. 50 years on, the economy, US economy that they're talking about has left the UK for dust. So it just didn't look likely until it did. So just remember not to get too carried away with the current batch of It's an ever-changing world. Yeah, it's yeah. an ever-changing world. And, and remember also, you know, I too am sort of, you know, a bit worried about China's ability to kind of innovate into the next paradigm. But this system of a kind of capitalist economy with the Communist Party sitting on top of it, sort of omnipresent, it's never been really tried before. So a lot of the rules 
they're there to be broken to a degree. So, And remember, you want that reflected in your assets. You need to access the world's population, not just some recently successful part of it, because that is what, you know, that's what you're trying to tether your long-term savings to. Mm. All of however many billions we are now, and that whole idea, that great Stephen Pinker idea, that if genius is evenly distributed, then there's a million people in the bottom billion of genius level IQ. You want those as well as everyone else in the developed world to be you know accessing your helping drag your savings higher and beating off inflation. That same hymn sheet. yes exactly so yes that's part of the emerging market quite a weird and long-winded way of saying emerging markets are a good idea but <laughs> i don't you know I, I think they add diversification and, and and return appeal so and so do the team so we think you want to get in the game yes exactly simple Yes, you could have said it just straight away. Yeah, I'm going to answer this question. That's a good closing line. Yeah, it's a good yeah, closing exactly. line. But yes. as ever, you batted away my questions very nicely. So thank you very much. I think by our standards, we've managed to keep it relatively concise. So we'll wrap it up there. As we all said, enjoy the weekends. Enjoy the rugby if that's your gig. Have a great weekend and we'll speak next week. All investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.